As a water supplier, the majority of our infrastructure exists underground and out of sight. But there's one critical piece of our operation that we keep above ground, usually way, way, way above ground. I'm talking, of course, about water towers. In this episode, we'll give you an in-depth look at elevated storage tanks, what they're used for and how they work, and what it takes to construct one and so much more. We know they're easy to spot, but trust us, there's more than meets the eye. I'm Jeff Sabo, Chief Executive Officer of the Suffolk County Water Authority, and this is What About Water? Joining me now is SCWA's lead civil engineer, Scott Meyerdirks. Scott, thanks for coming in. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. So if we're getting our water directly from the ground using wells, why do we need storage tanks? Water storage tanks are used to store drinking water within a community. The storage tanks also provide water for fire protection, and the tanks also provide a buffer for whenever our well pumps start and stop. So, Scott, we understand that storage tanks help with having adequate supply, but they also help with pressure in the system, don't they? Yes, the uh, elevated water storage tanks also allow for the natural force of gravity to produce a consistent water pressure throughout the water distribution system. Uh, the Water Authority has different pressure zones based on elevation, and the tanks allow, or basically if, if we had a power outage or we lost power or any type of issues, the water in the elevated tanks would help maintain that system pressure. We are required to provide a certain pressure to customers. Basically, we, we try and have at least 20 PSI of pressure at a customer's house. Pressure is uh, related to feet, so it's about 2.31 feet per PSI or pounds per square inch of pressure. So the height of the tanks in an area definitely provide or help maintain system pressure. So that makes them pretty critical to our operation. Storage tanks help us meet the peak demands for drinking water and to also provide fire flows when a fire department opens hydrants to fight fires. We do not always have enough well capacity to meet the peak demands for water, so the water tanks can help us meet the water supply needs. Basically, the water tanks equalize and smooth out the peaks and valleys of the water demand. When the demand is high, water drains from the tanks, and when the demand is low, the tanks will fill. And Scott, how many do we have both uh, elevated and ground storage tanks in our system? Currently, we have uh, 65 water storage tanks. And how do we choose the locations? Uh, the locations for water storage tanks can be chosen based on several reasons, such as the elevation of a site, the population of an area, and the overall peak demand for water in an area. What is the construction process for something like this? Uh, the tanks are typically constructed of steel plates that are welded together. Once completed, the tanks are then painted to protect the steel from corrosion. The first elevated tanks we used uh, used to use rivets to hold the steel plates together. We still have one riveted elevated steel tank in uh, Smithtown, but typically all new tanks are welded steel construction. Now, how long is that process from start to finish? Uh, the tank construction would typically take about one year to construct with the uh, construction and the painting.
So, Scott, talk to me about what happens when we retire a tank or decommission a tank. What is that process like? Well, I'll give an example. Uh, in a, a few years ago in Brentwood, we had an elevated, uh, riveted steel tank that needed to come down. Uh, the tank was past its useful life. Uh, there was it, it leaked, and it was actually uh, higher than what we needed to provide the proper system pr- pressure in the area. Uh, so we hired a contractor, uh, and basically they they start by using torches to cut. They start at the top. They cut it into smaller pieces, drop the steel pieces into the bowl of the tank or the bottom of the tank, and then uh, they work their way down, and then they, they bring a crane on site. The crane would then take the pieces out of the bowl of the tank and lower them to the ground, and then they would continue working their way down. And um, so you basically have to carefully, strategically demo an elevated tank to make sure that you know we don't cause any issues in the area or any damage to uh, adjacent structures. So, Scott, where are we headed next, right? Where, if you look at the horizon of the next year or two, where are some locations that the Water Authority is looking to construct additional storage supply? Well, currently we have, uh, we're working on two tank rehabilitations, and, uh, and that's where we do a complete uh, rehab of the coating system of, of a tank and also provide, you know, also perform any safety upgrades that are needed on the, on the storage tank. And the two sites we are moving forward with are Industry Court in Deer Park and our Henry Clay uh, drive standpipe out in Stony Brook. Thank you very much for being a guest today. Thank you very much, Jeff. Have you ever looked up at a water tower, noticed that long ladder leading all the way up to the top and thought, does somebody really have to climb up there? Well, I'm pleased to introduce our next guest, Deputy Lead Civil Engineer Pete Shembury. Pete has not only climbed our tanks, but he also manages their construction and maintenance. Thanks for joining us today, Pete. Oh, thank you very much for having me. So, Pete, let's start with the easy stuff. What's it like to climb a elevated storage tank? Climbing the tanks can be a really exciting experience. Um, not only do you get to see the entirety of the island from a very different perspective, but you get to see these pretty incredible pieces of engineering and construction up close and personal. You can see how the system functions from a completely different vantage point. What's the purpose of climbing an elevated water storage tank? The purpose of climbing these tanks is from more of a maintenance perspective. You know, it gives us an up-close look at each of these structures to assess the condition of not only the physical structure, but of the coating system on the tank, which protects the steel from corrosion, as Scott had mentioned earlier. It also gives us a little bit of a framework to grade which tanks would be coming up for maintenance and which tanks, you know, are going to need certain changes or improvements done.
So, Pete, talk to us a little bit about what goes into preparing to climb a tank. I guess the preparation all starts with the training. You know, we go through a three-day course. I perform mine in Houston, Texas, where we learn to safely approach the tank, be safe on the tank, you know, ascending, descending, emergency situations, and really try to get a handle on not only keeping the infrastructure maintained, but maintaining safety throughout the entire process. Um, you know, 150 feet in the air, you know, things can go awry rather quickly. You, know, you kind of really need to be well-equipped, both physically and mentally, you know, to meet those challenges. So, Pete, I understand we're required to inspect our tanks once, at least once every three years. When that happens, what are you looking for? When we're inspecting these tanks, we're looking for predominantly any coating failures. These paint systems that are on these tanks are an expensive investment that over time does deteriorate. They tend to have pitting or flaking of the material. And over time, if left unchecked, those paint systems will begin to fail at a more rapid pace. So by rigorously assessing each of these tanks, we can catch a lot of problems before they propagate into bigger problems. You know, something that could be a little patch painted now all of a sudden becomes, you know, a full scale paint job on a tank, you know, which, you know, is a very costly endeavor. And with 65 tanks in the system, that's, you know, a lot to take care of. So, Pete, how has technology changed how we inspect our elevated storage tanks? Well, as of recently, SCWA has employed a drone program, which allows us to more rapidly deploy out to different tanks and get a close-up view of issues without having to climb the tank itself. You know, climbing the tank requires a lot of assets. It requires a lot of time. It's not a very quick endeavor. There's also a lot of spots on a tank where you can't necessarily climb to. You know, the, the tanks, for the most part, have a ladder, a catwalk, and a railed-in area at the top of the tank that allows you to walk around. And you can really only inspect areas that you can safely view. The drone allows us to not only take a look at the tank quicker, but to access different views of the tank, see things from different perspectives, and identify issues or questions that you would need a much more thorough inspection to otherwise identify. And that's, you know, it, it could turn an all-day event of climbing and inspecting a tank into a 30-minute endeavor. Thank you for your time today, Pete. We really appreciate your thoughts. Oh, thank you very much for having me. We'll be right back after a quick water break with correspondent Seth Wallach. Thanks, Jeff. So 
Earlier in the program, Scott mentioned we've been transitioning away from elevated tanks in favor of ground storage tanks over the past few decades. So I wanted to use this water break to highlight one of these projects in particular, our 900,000-gallon capacity ground storage tank in Amagansett, completed back in September of 2020. Supplying Long Island South Fork comes with its own unique set of challenges. But by constructing this massive storage facility, we were able to improve supply in the area without drilling additional wells in the South Fork's sensitive aquifer. This month, I checked in with longtime East End advocate Assemblyman Fred Thiel Jr. to see how Amagansett is getting along. Thank you so much for joining us today on What About Water. We really appreciate it. Seth, it's good to be here. So as someone who represents Long Island's East End, obviously, I know environmental issues are something that's very important to you. Where does sustainable, reliable drinking water for, for residents kind of rank among your priorities as a lawmaker? Well, it, it's the top of the list because clean drinking water isn't just about the environment. It's also about the economy that we have here on the East End. And, uh, you know, uh, I've been at this for a long time. And for years and years, we were talking, you know, more about, you know, land, open space, farmland preservation, uh, protecting the wetlands. And with the thought being that if we protected the land out here, the water would take care of itself. But as we've learned, because of human activity, there's a lot of threats uh, to our drinking water and uh, we're fighting trends of declining drinking water. So I would say, you know, drinking water has always been extremely important, but it has risen to the top of the pile here in the last 10 years or so. And I think people realize now that, you know, drinking water is a finite resource. You have to protect it. Uh, if we're going to have it for future generations. I know when we turned the tank on, when we made it operational in 2020, you were actually there with our engineering staff. What was your take on the whole operation, the facility there, seeing it firsthand? Yeah, you know, the, the, the Suffolk County Water Authority has done such a great job across Suffolk County, but particularly here on the East End and in, in providing us with uh, clean drinking water. And we recognize that the East End uh, pr- provides certain challenges to the Suffolk County Water Authority that you might not have in other parts of your service area. You know, first and foremost is the uh, seasonal shift in populations. You know, the, the year-round population uh, in the five East End towns is around 140, 150,000 people. But on a summer weekend, that 150,000 people can be 500,000 people here on the East End. And, you know, certainly during the summer, there's all sorts of demand for water, whether it be irrigation, agriculture is still very, very important here. So the East End is an area where you have wide uh, swings in supply and in the, in, in the, uh, uh, the demand for water. And, and you have to be prepared, you know, not just for what happens in December and January out here, but you've got to have the infrastructure for the busiest weekend in July and August. And, and, the, and the challenges, I think, during the pandemic have even been greater because the population out here, you know, there's been an incredible growth in, in, in people that, that, that have bought houses out here. They're spending more time here. So, you know, from a planning perspective, it's a challenge for the Suffolk County Water Authority. So, you know, to have that, that ground storage tank in Amagansett is critical, I think, to that management process. And we're thankful to the Water Authority 
for rec- recognizing the unique challenges that are presented on the East End and ensuring that we have the infrastructure to make sure that uh, the supply is always there, whether it's a quiet Wednesday in the middle of February or it's the busiest summer weekend in July or August. Absolutely. We try our best at the Water Authority with any project, not just tanks or ground storage tanks, to be good neighbors whenever we can to make sure we're not creating you know, eyesores in the community. And the, the Amagansett tank, I think, was a good example of that, or at least we tried to make sure it was surrounded properly with landscaping and, and things like that, make sure it was you know, the, the color that the community preferred. Have you heard anything from constituents? Yeah, we, we appreciate your sensitivity to that. You know, uh, scenic vistas and, you know, the aesthetics on the East End, you know, critical importance. People come out here because of the beauty of the place. That's what the economy out here is all about. That's why people come out here. And, you know, I, I thought with regard to the Amagansett tank, uh, you know, you did an outstanding job with landscaping and screening and, you know, providing the resources that were necessary to kind of protect the community. And, you know, the, the, the short answer to your question is that I have not gotten one call or one email or one letter, you know, complaining about this facility. I think people are glad that it's there, that they've got that uh, security, that the water supply is there. And, you know, not just with the Amagansett facility, which was, you know, a, a, you know, a larger facility, but wherever the Suffolk County Water Authority is, you know, if I get it, if I do get a complaint, you know, from a from a community about one of your facilities, you respond right away. You look for a solution. You work with the community. And, and to me, that's what it's all about. So to me, the Suffolk County Water Authority has been a great neighbor. And it wasn't always such, I, I have to say. There were times back earlier in my career where. You know, uh, the, the Water Authority wasn't always as responsive to the community, but that's changed a lot in the last 10 years. And that's a, a tribute to the management and to the, the leadership at the Suffolk County Water Authority. Very responsive, re- responsive to the, the community's questions and the community's uh, issues that may come up. Because, listen, you know, to have clean drinking water, you need infrastructure and uh you know, you do the best job possible, I think, to respond to community concerns and to uh, protect the aesthetics here on the East End. And we've, we're thankful for it. So as I understand it, with this tank, obviously, we're providing that adequate supply as we've covered. And we're making sure that residents don't see a drop in water pressure, especially at peak times in the early morning. But it's more important than just having enough water for residents for that morning shower, as I understand it. Absolutely. It's also public safety. You know, we we talked about the East End. We talk about the open spaces and the farmland and the ocean and all those things. Very critical importance. But, uh, you know, public safety, uh, a lot of uh, our historic villages, they're older, wood structures, susceptible to fire. I live in Sag Harbor. We've seen that a couple of times. There was the fire at the Sag Harbor Movie Theater just about five years ago. Uh, back around 20 years ago, there was a big ma- Main Street fire, uh, you know, around the hardware store. And that's not unique to Sag Harbor. You know, a lot of historic buildings, a lot of wood structures, um, a lot of challenges for our local fire departments. And uh, so water isn't just about having, you know, clean drinking water. It's also about public safety and making sure there's adequate supply for uh, our, our local fire departments. They're all volunteers. They give up their time. They, they put themselves at risk. 
and uh, knowing that we have an adequate supply of water when one of these emergencies does come up, you know, with a big fire or, you know, we're talking about these, you know, these big events that happen. But, you know, anytime, you know, there's a fire at somebody's house or the, the fire department needs to respond, you, you know, you need to know when you go and you turn on the fire hydrant and you hook up the hose that, that there's going to be adequate supply on the other side. Absolutely. Is there anything else that maybe we didn't cover you'd like folks to know? I think, you know, more than anything, the last thing I just would mention is the work that we've all done together with the Suffolk County Water Authority to plan for the future. It's important that we recognize, especially on the East End, because the growth on Long Island now, most of it is coming on the East End. So planning is of critical importance. And what I have enjoyed in my time with working with the Water Authority is they don't just view themselves as a purveyor of water. You know, it's a commodity. You sell it to the public and it's it's not, nothing more than, you know, the business of selling water. You're planning for the future. You're identifying what the needs are for our communities. And uh, so that, you know, we're not just in a position where we have adequate water and clean water to drink now, but 10, 20, 50 years from now, you know, we've got, uh, you know, a, a planning function going on that makes sure that, sure that we're in good shape for the future. So we appreciate that. My thanks to the Suffolk County Water Authority. And, I, you know, I look forward to continuing to work with you guys for a long time to come. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Seth. And, uh, you know, good, good to talk with you and uh, hope to do it again real soon. Now, if you're a loyal What About Water listener, you know this is the part of the program where I normally kick it back to Jeff for one final segment. Well, we do have one more segment for you. Here is my interview with SCWA's Cellular Program Manager, Amanda McLeod. Why does the water company have a Cellular Programs Manager? Well, we've got the tallest buildings in town. Amanda, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Hi, Seth. Thank you for having me. So talk to me a little bit about what you do here at the authority. When did the Water Authority start leasing space on its elevated tanks to cell carriers? Suffolk County Water Authority started leasing space to cell carriers in the early 1990s. Our first lease that was fully executed was with AT&T, and that was at Lambert Avenue in Copeg. So does every Water Authority elevated tank at this point have cellular equipment attached to it or just some of them? No. Most of our tanks do have cellular equipment on them, but we do have a variety of them that the tanks are too low, so the cellular carriers do not have an interest in leasing on them. You want that equipment as high as you can get it, right? So that we're often the tallest structure in town, I guess? Exactly. So that's why for those tanks, they don't want to go on them. If they're too low, it it doesn't make sense for them to be on that space. So how does that equipment get installed? Are we going up there and putting it in on the company's behalf? Do the cell carriers actually have permission to climb the tanks? How does that equipment get installed? How that works is the cell carriers hire an outside contractor, and I work with them to give them access to the tank, and they have to follow the approved Suffolk County Water Authority drawings that I stamp before we can go ahead and proceed with the work. And then do we do we work with specific carriers in specific towns? Is it just something that kind of goes to the highest bidder? How does it work in terms of who's on on which tank? 
The carriers we work with are AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile. It doesn't vary by specific area. They're on all of our water tanks. There's no specific region that each of them are on. So let's say there's a new cell phone carrier out there who's just gotten into the market and they were looking to put their equipment on the Water Authority's tanks. What would be like the first step for them? Would they contact you? Correct. They would contact me. They would send me over construction drawings. I would proceed to review them. And then I work up our paperwork so that I could let them know what the rent amount would be and the additional equipment that they're going to add on plays into that amount. So I know oftentimes cell carriers will merge or one will buy another. Does that affect our equipment in any way? So, for example, T-Mobile has merged with MetroPCS. They took them over, and they have also merged with Sprint. Sprint still has the equipment on our tanks, and we are going to be in the process of removing, decommissioning all of that on our water tanks, and T-Mobile will be the sole carrier. Amanda, thanks so much for sitting down with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. What About Water is produced by Jeff Sabo, Tim Motes, and Seth Wallach. This episode was edited and engineered by Seth Wallach. Be sure to follow Suffolk County Water Authority on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to submit a question for a future episode, email us at whataboutwater at scwa.com. Until next time, I'm Jeff Sabo. According to the Long Island Water Pod podcast, oh, yeah, Suffolk County Water Podcast, yes, I'd love to be a guest on that one.